This is IA Story Share, a podcast from Imagining America, where publicly engaged artists, designers, scholars, students, and other community members share stories about their life and work. Our first series of conversations comes from people who attended the 2017 Imagining America National Conference, which was held in and around Davis, California. This time, a conversation between Ben Fink and Sanya Kuftinitz. Ben works at Apple Shop, a grassroots multimedia arts center in Kentucky. He spent most of his life in cities and suburbs, but in 2015, he moved to rural Kentucky to become Apple Shop's creative placemaking project manager. He now sits on the board of the organization. Sonia is a professor at the University of Minnesota, where she teaches courses in theater historiography, leadership, and performance and social change. She's developed collaborative theater projects with youth in the Balkans and Middle East, and Sonia works as a conflict resolution facilitator with Seeds of Peace, an organization that brings together youth from the Middle East, South Asia, and Balkan regions. The two have known each other for years. Sonia was once Ben's professor, then dissertation chair, and now colleague and friend. Ben and Sonia discuss the importance of understanding people with different points of view and unexpected complications related to transformational work, such as recognizing your blind spots and being careful not to infringe on spaces meant for others, however well-intentioned you are. I kind of like this. What do you care about? Oh, Taken however. Goodness. It's such a this I feel like I'm spending my whole sabbatical trying to answer that question mm, and mm. maybe my whole life. Ben, so I'll I'll say the f- a few things, mm-hmm. and um, I don't know how coherent they'll be, but I feel like one of the things I care really deeply about is um, that I I didn't anticipate happening mm-hmm. in my life, mm-hmm. but that I'm a a mom, a parent, I have a son, and I really care um, so much about him. And what kind of world he will inherit and mm. Mm. who he'll be in that world. And that's, um, that's really one of the things that's at the center of my life. Mm. Um, and I think he helps me to recognize the other thing that I care about is um, trying to leave the world a better place than I, I found it and trying to figure out what that means and where my presence is a value and where it's taking up unnecessary space. Like where's the, where are the places to walk away from? Mm. <laughs> um, mm. And uh, I'm curious. Uh, anyway. Yeah. No, I'm curious about a story. If there's something recently that where some of that, sort of really hits hits ground in terms of a place you really want to invest or a place you realize you need to walk away from. Yeah, I have a, a hard story. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, several months ago, I, um, I, you know, I've been in the university for almost 20 years now and just keep trying to find different pockets of relationship and work and, and connection. And there was uh, someone I had known um, who teaches in, she was in the gender, women, and sexuality studies, and now she's kind of a free-floating person. And 
she was teaching in a, a class that felt really resonant with the work I was doing on global mm -hmm. storytelling. Mm -hmm. um, and it felt like it was a place I could learn from. So I asked if I could sit in on the class. Um, and it, it, I sat in on two sessions and then she took me out to lunch and, and asked me not to come back. Whoa. And in a way that was framed as I want to find a different way for us to work together. And it was very gently framed and said it was a hard conversation for her to have. Huh. But it, it made me feel a lot of different things sure. and worry that um, I had put my own growth and learning at the center of something mm. that needed to be about other people at that mm. time. And I mm. think that's what she was trying to suggest and where I had felt like I was leaping into a space of radical vulnerability. Right. I think I, I realized after the fact that it was, it was taking up too much space because it was intended for, wasn't intended to be for me. <laughs> it was intended to be for a group of students and having, um, even if I felt like my, I, if I came in feeling like I'm a student here, right. I can't change the way my um, presence and my skin and my experience reads and that hmm. that can, that can be a force in silencing people who need, need more space than. And I you felt gain. like that's might've been what was happening. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. That's, <laughs> I mean, we, you and I have talked about this for a long time and I just, I struggle with that. I struggle with that because on one hand, clearly, you know, I know I'm, I can be loud and take up a lot of space too. Um, and on the other hand, I have, I mean, I imagine you've got some of this too. Um, you know, I think about the things that I care about and, you know, years of figuring out my self-interest and my story of self, you know, doing the, you know, sort of or, trying to become a, a better organizer. And I realize a lot of my stuff kind of comes from, I had no friends till I was 16. Hmm. And some of that is I recognize my own stuff about, I just needed to talk so much about me and me and what I was interested in. So you know, people just didn't have necessarily a way to access me. But then also this, like, Rather this feeling of being shut out, this feeling of being, you know, if, if Howard Zinn said that what motivates him to do everything that he does is, is about bullying and he hates bullying. And so that's kind of mm. his, you know, my thing I realize is in the last couple of years, I've realized it's, it's in crowds. Um, so when there's an in crowd, I like want to get away from it, which is a positive in terms of it means that I think I'm pretty good at building inclusive spaces but it's a negative in terms of I maybe have a persecution complex. Um, and so I, the, I bring all that up to say that I think you handled that situation much more maturely than I could have, um, because I think I would have gone to this knee jerk space of, are you telling me I need to hate myself? Are you telling me I need to go back to that? Um, and it could have gotten unpleasant. So like kudos for for taking that and 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 being able to reflect on it that way it's really i admire that yeah it wasn't easy in the moment i mm -hmm. have to say but i think that's a part of a journey of um how to be I, i'm trying to and not always success successful at 
creating more spaces for reflection and not in distraction mm. and those spaces practicing those spaces the theory behind that and i'm a, a big um, lover of Thich Nhat Hanh mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. the idea of both interconnectivity and that if you want to work in the world you have to create a space of working on working on yourself mm -hmm. and increasing the circles of contact from there and not try to work from the outside in yeah. um, but that the practice really helps to give you space to look feel what you feel mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. Um, but not to make that into uh, um, a narrative about, you know, just to recognize that, um, uh, recognize, see the narratives you're making from a moment and not attach to those as reality. Yeah. Uh, it's so easy to overwhelm the world with your feelings. It's all about me and, yeah. and, and r recognizing the truth of what's in you and what's outside of you. Yeah, and that you're, I think what's complicated about any kind of transformational work is realizing that you're not just an observer of the, the story, you're just as much a part of any story of, of um exploitation you know there are things that i benefit from and lots of blind spots and sometimes the painful work of of uh you learn what your blind spots are mm -hmm. when you you hit a wall that you, <laughs> you didn't know you were running into yeah yeah oh cool um well, well i want to ask a ask question because i'm curious uh because i know that it's important to tell ourselves the stories of our failures mm -hmm. to learn from them, mm -hmm. but it's also important to be able to remember the stories of when something we we didn't maybe we were suspicious of or skeptical 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 of of mm -hmm. um, a transformation happening out of that uh, an unexpected space. Yeah, huh? That's a good question. Well, I'll tell you. So the first, you know, I came to East Kentucky almost two years ago and with a kind of broad and vague mandate to build this work in culture-driven development. And it was interesting, it kind of, it, it highlighted a lot of the kind of fissures and, you know, kind of not always aligned agendas within a place like Apple Shop that has got so many different things going on. And so sometimes the radio doesn't exactly know what the theater doesn't know exactly what the archive doesn't exactly know what the Youth Media Training Institute is about. And this was this effort to, okay, how can we start to work across these programs? But of course I come in, I don't know any of this history. And so, but what I do know is that in this grant that paid me, I was supposed to what was the word that was used to consolidate square dance activities in Letcher <laughs> County, Kentucky. And I'm a big fan of square dancing. I did square dancing a lot um, as, as staff bonding up in South Jersey where I used to work. But it was not clear to me that this was going to be the path forward uh, to do culture-driven grassroots development, especially given that many people of my colleagues were real down on it because like oh yeah square dancing this is just like some you know hokey you know whatever so i just 
find myself cast into the, in, in, in the middle of this. And at the heart of it was this community, this very isolated community called Carcassonne, Kentucky, which is way up in the mountains um, where three counties meet in East Kentucky. And they had had the longest running community-led square dance in the state of Kentucky and possibly in the country, although I'm not sure. But they were going to, they basically were shutting down. And they said, you know, there's not interest in this anymore. And, you know, we don't have the, you know, few of us have been doing it. We're tired and, you know, we can't keep it up. And so, again, a lot of people at the shop, including my boss, were like, okay, this is, you know, this is the natural cycle of a culture. Like, why are you trying to prop this thing up? It's like, well, I don't know. I don't even have any context to answer this question. None. All I know is that I'm here hired partially on this grant that's about this thing. So it's like, okay, I'm going to do this thing. This is before we had any idea of the culture hub or any, 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 any of this as an organizing project. But what ended up happening was through a not easy six month period of relational meetings, one-to-ones in groups, et cetera, and really kind of immersing myself in the history and culture of this little community way up in the mountains, um, which is 40 minutes away from where I live, even in Letcher County, Kentucky. Um, we got a real sense of the dynamics together and actually in the hardest way, it turned out that the person who was working closest with Apple Shop and was kind of my guide, he himself was the problem and was holding back a lot of the growth and development. He was not well. He was um, having a lot of medical issues, um, you know, including that affected his mental health. And so it got pretty nasty at times. He was like insulting somebody's wife in a meeting and then stormed out of it that he was running. Um, And but long story, slightly less long. This community is in many ways a different place now. They are, they were able to together figure out this leadership transition that brought a whole lot more people into leadership roles. And this guy and his family was able to step aside and play a role and be involved, but not, you know, take everything on. And they were able to build this level of trust and, um, and the square dance is now running and turning a profit. And so, and out of that came one of the first and most dedicated partners in what became this countywide broad-based organization. So I'm not sure. I, I won't try to spin any abstract lessons out of it, but there it is. Hmm. Um, I am really, I'm curious, this is relevant enough, this experience where art or culture or community engaged scholarship and let's say an experience of yours and however you want to define your own experience made a difference in a politically charged situation hmm um you know there's this story i i told in a tim miller workshop that i keep coming back to about the possibilities of breaking the binary mm. or the po- space of polarization mm-hmm. and it connects to something I do now. So I'll, I'll try to retell it in that frame that on 2008, I think the Republican national committee held its convention in St. Paul. Was there. there was a lot of um, creative protest uh, that I was part of. Um, but I, I remember being in this parade and um, I think you were, 
you were in this Tim Miller workshop when I told this story. I think I was. Yeah. Um, so again, I'll, Please, I'll retell no, it ahead, with a different, different frame. So, you know, and I, I think in that context I talked about, I still remember, I think I was looking pretty cute and it was fun and mm-hmm. it was sunny mm-hmm. and it felt good to be part of this community of people working together in response to something that felt really um, distasteful and and oppressive. And mm-hmm. But if, uh, I, I don't know if you were actually there in that protest space, but the the authorities had structured the space so that you couldn't get close to the convention center. There were zones of protest and there were zones of different kinds of protest. So we were on the streets moving forward and lining those streets were people in white t-shirts with American flags kind of silently standing there. And clearly they were the other side. And I got really curious about who who they were, and I remember going up to this one woman um, and just asking her, why are you here? And her first response was, we are not allowed to talk to each other. We need to, we need to stay on our sides. Mm-hmm. And just mm-hmm. trying to kind of, trying to still myself and be present in that space and ask again, um, why are you here? And she responded again, you know, keep moving. This is our space. This is your space. And that I tried a third time to just really let go of any need I had to say what I believed, mm-hmm. what I, mm-hmm. you know, thought and just say, I really, I really deeply want to know mm-hmm. something about this woman and her story right now. Like that is my goal right now. And I just stilled myself as much as possible and tried to open myself and just open, imagined opening my heart and just said, Please just tell me why why are you here? I really want to know. Mm-hmm. And she said, "We're here because we all have family fighting in Iraq." And she may have said something more about, you know, our while you're dancing in the street, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. my son's life is on the line. Mm-hmm. You know, to preserve mm-hmm. your right to dance in the street. Mm-hmm. And I just said thank you. Um, and we may not have. No kind of policy changes came out of that, but it was a reminder for me about the power of creating spaces that hold people's stories. And knowing going forward, you know, I understood something about the opposition writ large as a human being who had things uh, that she cared deeply about. And if there was going to be any transformation, for example, if we both were to work together on Let's agree that it's really troubling that only a certain part of our population is in the armed services or that doing things that are in, in other countries trying to make democracy is maybe not a thing that we should be putting our young people at work to do. Maybe there's some place that we could come together, but that place of coming together really needs to start at the place of understanding people, what people care about and their stories. And something that kind of comes out of that, um, there's another practice that came out of that 2008 convention that I've been now doing on and off for the past mm-hmm. year, sometimes with Harris, um, called Don't You Feel It Too. And it was a dance practice started by Marcus Young, who's a Hong Kong-born, but now Twin Cities-based social practice artist. And it's a practice that invites anyone who has portable music 
to bring make a list of songs that they love and that love them back and to come together in public space and put on your headphones and to move in that public space and to feel as deeply as you feel, you know, to respond in movement through what you feel. And it's an individual practice and a collective practice. And he talks about it as a space of, of liberation. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you talk about the square dance, it just makes me feel like there are these social practices that allow us to come together in a, a place of shared feeling and experience. And we need to feel what those spaces can can be um, to give us the energy to work together to actually make those spaces happen at a more political level. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So with just a couple of minutes left, I'm wondering if there's something right now that is making you particularly hopeful that's charging some of your work right now it's like it because there's a lot of stuff that would obviously not make you hopeful but if there's one thing that is i think there's a lot of things i'm seeing here um and especially from people who have moved through spaces that i've been part of as a teacher I just came out of a session with Ashley Hansen, who has started her own rural place-based theater company. Um, and it is so inspiring to see what people have made from um, from the tools that I feel humbled to have been part of sharing with them. And um, it's a reminder of, of what kind of work has gone out into the world and how to keep reconnecting with those people and those ideas and amplify and strengthen. Uh, and what about, what about you? What are you, what's going to keep you going next in 30 seconds or less? The fact, I think that we can talk about work that's happening in a tiny little County in East Kentucky and so many people, and especially so many people at this conference are able not only to say, oh, good job, like this is really neat, but are actually able to see themselves in the work and wanna say, I wanna be a part of that. And what can we make together? And the fact that somebody like Gwen, who's here, who's you know new to this kind of environment, just can fearlessly take part, participate, you know, advocate and, you know, connect the, the particular to the general um, as well as anybody. Um, that's pretty exciting. That was Ben Fink and Sanya Kuftinets, who participated in IA Story Share at the 2017 Imagining America National Conference. At the end of each session, we asked everyone who shared with us to also complete the sentence, I imagine an America. I imagine an America that gives us enough space that we can laugh a little bit and laugh with each other and laugh at ourselves. And in that laughter, not erase our differences or overcome them 
but see that we're more than the embodiment of each other's differences. To hear those short segments, go to our website, imaginingamerica.org, and click on IA Story Share. You can subscribe to the IA Story Share podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play Music. And if you'd like to contact the IA Story Share project, our email address is connect at imaginingamerica.org. The views presented in this podcast are not necessarily those of Imagining America, the University of California Davis, or the University of California Regents. Our opening theme music is by Joe Kai. Our closing music today is by Gabriel Reynolds. Imagining America, Artists and Scholars in Public Life is a national consortium of academic institutions and cultural organizations based at the University of California, Davis. Davis.